Thank you, Jesus. Man, I want to share a quick word with you, so go to the book of Luke, chapter 4. Get your Bibles out. Oh, come on. Get your Bibles out. Thank you. Sounded like a bunch of, like, trying to be ghost noises or something in here. Luke, chapter 4, verse 14. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Okay, let's get into this. It says in, in verse 14, Jesus, is, is he's just been in, out in the wilderness. He, he says, and then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, you can live your life in the flesh. You can live your life in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Now, living your life in the power of the Spirit, what does that mean? You walk around with visions, dreams, revelations all the time? I mean, could be. But, you know, uh, you know, you're walking around. You don't ever feet, never touch the floor. You're always up in the clouds. But, you know, walking around the power of the Spirit means you're going to find opposition. David found a Goliath, right? There's always going to be some glass. There's always going to be a Yehu. Everybody say there's always going to be a Yehu. There's always a Yehu somewhere. I'm telling you, man, there's always a Yehu somewhere. And so there's always going to be a Yehu, but the, walking in the power of the Spirit means that, that God, you're, you're, you're so connected with what he wants to do and who he is and what he is and who he is in you that nothing else seems to matter because you're just in a flow with him. So he says, he returned to the power of the Spirit to Galilee. News went out through all the surrounding region. He taught the synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, his hometown. And he'd been brought up as his custom was. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. All right? Now let's just get this. Let's get this all down. He didn't, he pulled out the, text he found isaiah he rolls it out and says he found the place where it was written okay do you know how important it is for you to know where it's been written do you know how important it is for it to know to know where it's been written about you one of those powerful words the lord ever spoke to me was uh back in 93 i was uh, uh i was in the ukraine actually it was 92 and uh I could take you to this day. I could show you the bed I was laying in, or actually it was a couch I was laying in in the people's uh, living room. When that morning I just felt troubled in my spirit, something wasn't right. I got my Bible out. I was just reading my Bible. I came across a scripture in Isaiah. It wasn't this scripture, but it was a scripture in Isaiah. And, and I opened it up and I started reading and the Lord just started as, as if he was sitting there. Jesus was sitting on the edge of my bed, reading that scripture to me, giving me those words. So for my whole life since then, those, those scriptures, I can find what's written and what he told me to do. Because of what he spoke there it changed my life. It changed something on the inside of me. Jesus knew that when he pulled out Isaiah... And he started to read here, the Spirit of the Lord's point. He already knew where it was written. He already knew it was about him. He already knew this was his mission. He already knew this is what he was called to do. All he was doing was announcing to everybody else. He knew it. It wasn't like he said, oh, man, I didn't know it said that. Right? It all been written about him. He says, because the Lord has anointed me to do something. Preach the gospel to the poor. Now, poor doesn't necessarily there mean like didn't have any cash. Poor meant... They didn't have any of the spirit. 
He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So brokenhearted people are supposed to be healed. Now, let me teach you something here on a side note. If you want to know what the attitude or what the desire or the, you know, the, 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 the core of what God is, you can read right here and see what God wants. God wants brokenhearted people healed. He doesn't want to break hearts. He wants to heal broken hearts. You want to know the nature of God. God is always going to be a healer, a restorer, a multiplier, an adder, right? It's the devil that kills, steals, and destroys. Okay. So he wants to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive. So everybody that's captive, everyone that's captive. Okay. Now listen to me. I've told y'all this. I've told y'all this for, 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 man, I'm not, you know, I was telling you this before we ever got into 21, that I believe we're in the last days. I believe that we're getting towards the end of the book. I, I, I believe that God's about to do something huge. And if you go read it, it says in Timothy, it says in different other places in there. And that's not the message tonight. Because if I go get to quoting those scriptures, I'm going to be out of here on this other deal. That there's doctrines of demons. There's, there's influences and demons upon the face of the earth right now trying to influence people basically to do stupid things. Okay? And they're listening and they're becoming captive to the enemy, and they don't even realize it. I saw today, and, 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 and uh, you know, if y'all out there watching, I may get cut off when I say this, but I, I've got to say it. I saw today where the teachers union in the Northern Teachers Union uh, declared that they all voted to, to they're going to teach critical race theory in schools, okay? And if you go look at the definition of what is critical race theory, it's racist. I mean, I can't understand why people don't see that. Critical race theory is basically teaching that if you're white, you're racist. But if you called me racist just because of my skin color, doesn't that make you racist? So in its essence, it's racist. Right? So then what possible good could come out of it other than war between anybody of different color than what you are? Correct? Okay. So is that not taking people captive in the craziest thinking I've ever seen in my entire life, and people are lining up and saying, yeah, that's what we ought to do. And I'm like, what is the matter with you? You have to be literally. Yeah, you've got to be just completely blinkers to go along with something like that, because it, even in the definition of it that they, well, this is the definition of it, I'm like, Okay, captives that have to be set free. Recovery of sight to the blind. People have gone blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. So the heart of God and to preach the, the proclaim the acceptable, <clears throat> excuse me, year of the Lord. So what I'm saying is whatever's taking place around you, whatever's taking place in the world today, God's already got, it's already found what's been written. Jesus already proclaimed it. He already said, this is the answer. Get free, set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds. You see what I'm saying? This is the, what God wants to do. Okay? Okay, so now jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. 
We had a great service Sunday on the 4th. That was special to be a 4th of July Sunday. And you know, I've said this, but I'll say it again. Freedom comes with a price. Freedom's not, it's not, we say it's free, but freedom comes with a price. Somebody had to pay to make, to get freedom. The blood in that flag is what caused us to have freedom, okay? Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. Now, listen to this. This is When I first read this, like I'm talking about the very first time I read the Bible, I kept thinking about like, man, what did this look like? I mean, a dude with a veil, you know, like, was it like a, like a, like a, uh, a bride's veil, or was it like a beekeeper, you know? I mean, I'm thinking all this kind of, you know, situation. What did it look like? I mean, come on, I, get, I have a big imagination, and I'm thinking of like a, a big round brim hat with this veil hanging down in front. You know, I don't know. And so I never did figure it out, but uh, what the specific thing would have looked like. But the point was, is he put it on his face for a reason, and it wasn't so that when he, when he, when he brought it up, it went, and everybody would like freak out. It was because it was fading, he didn't, want us, he didn't want them to see it fading because he had been up on the mountain with God and he had seen God. And so when he came down, he's like glowing. And everybody's like, ah, come on, his face. Then I got to thinking about how many times in life have I seen Christians? Man, they get on fire for the Lord. Man, their old face is beaming. They got a big smile. Everything's good. They're, they're just like Moses. They're just beaming. And then, you know, a little trip here, a little trip there, a little stumble here, a little fall there. Next time you see them, the, the glory's fading. But look at this. It says, so Moses put a veil over his face, so the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted on the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, everybody say turns to the Lord. It says when one turns to the Lord, look, something happens. When one turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. Think about this. He's saying the devil wants to blind your mind. This, this world system, this whatever you want to call it, the course of this world, you know, however you want to say it. It wants to blind you. It wants to get you focused in, in this area. Maybe it wants to get you focused on hate. Maybe it wants to get you focused on jealousy. Maybe it wants to get you focused on, 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 on you know, whatever's not working right in your life or what you want or, you know, this desire, this lust. It's just trying to get you to focus in that direction. That's all it's doing. And your mind gets blinded. That's all you see. But then when you come into Christ, he says, veil's lifted. Now he's like, Oh, okay, Jesus, this is what's happening. It's like the lights are turned on. There was one, I don't know what night this week. I don't know how, you know, I, I usually get up pretty early in the mornings, you know, 5, 5.30, something like that, and it's, you know, dark. And uh, one morning I got up, and I mean, it was like so dark in the house. I was like, what is going on? I mean, we have some little lights around, you know, here and there, but it's like everything was off. And it's just like, darn, it's just like, oh man, have I gone blind or what? I mean, I, it just seems like it's the blackness is upon us. And so I stumbled through and got into the bathroom and 
finally flipped on the light, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, now I can see. I can see everything. Well, isn't it, wouldn't it just be glorious for all the people just walking in stupid right now that the light just got flipped on in a second, and they were just like, and they were like, oh, God, you're really real. That's why I always said, I just wish God would just like lean over and just pull the heavens back and say, boo. And everybody's like, ah, God's real. Right? I just, you know, something. A big 12-foot angel walking down the street, you know, cutting apples with his sword or something. You know, I don't know. Just something. But that's what happens. The veil gets taken away. Okay? And it says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, something then takes place. There's liberty. But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed unto the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So in other words, when this veil is lifted up and you're in Jesus and you're walking in Jesus and you keep looking into Jesus, it starts changing you. That's what changes you. It's not your, I mean, we're supposed to have self-control, right? Right? You're supposed to have self-control. Don't eat the whole gallon of ice cream. You're not supposed to do that. Right? You've got to have control. Man, I got to tell you this one. I'll just tell them myself so all of y'all out there can feel better. I'll tell my sins. I found the greatest thing about having grandkids back now. There's all kinds of food in the house. But it's just Laura and I, you know, we're just like starving, like meager, meager little people saying, we're just going to eat this dry toast, you know. No sweets, no nothing, no anything. And so I walked through the kitchen last night, and I looked over there, and I, I used, we used to eat these things all the time, those cheap Tony's pizzas, mainly because they were cheap. And there was a slice laying there, and I said, oh, look at that. I said, no, I'm not going to eat it. And then I went down and sat down in my chair, and then it just began to call me. And I said, I just going to go over there and eat it. And I did. And it tasted pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I bet I hadn't put a piece of that in my mouth in 35 years, you know. I was like, glory to God. Get some more. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, he says, there's liberty. Okay? Not bondage. Just think about this. When you're with Jesus, there's liberty. But when you're not with Jesus, there's nothing but bondage. It's going to be the opposite. Hello? Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17 says, This saying, therefore, in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Doesn't that sound just like being veiled, like blinded, like just what he's saying about the veil over their heart, being blinded or being darkened, being alienated from the life of God, the darkness. Listen, this is what people don't understand. You don't want to be in darkness because darkness, it, it, it alienates you from the life of God. Hello? 
And so this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you blinded. He wants to get you captive going and looking right down his pathway, right there, whatever it be, like I said, anger or whatever it is. He wants you to get focused on that, my loss, my hurt, my grief, my pain, my, my whatever. And when you get focused on that, he's got you. You're, you're, you're held captive. You're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. But this is what we need to jump up and rejoice for. Christians ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. When you're born again saved, you know Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. You know that you know that you know that you know down here on the inside, you're saved. You should be the happiest person in life because the goodness of this good God I'm talking about is all focused towards you. It's all focused towards you. God wants to prosper everything your hand touches. God wants you healed. He wants the captive set free. See, this is what he said. And so where Christians come up with this doctrine of, well, God, you know, he's mad at me this morning. He wants to make me suffer for a little bit and try to get me. Well, why don't you just repent and get back on the road? Lord, have mercy. Just quit doing what you're doing. I mean, it sounds reasonable to me, right? If you keep sticking your hand in the hole and a snake keeps biting it, quit putting your hand in the hole. I just get so depressed this time of year. Well, do something different this time of year. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Galatians 5, 19. So let's just look at this for a second. Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in the times past, that those who are practiced such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So would it not make sense that if you're trying to judge your behavior and wondering if it's leading you into darkness, if you just look at these and say, does it fit in any of those categories or even come close? Is it even a related cousin to this? We probably should not be messing with it. Well, I don't know if I'm really an outburst of wrath. Just get mad and scream once in a while. Well, that's, it's its ugly cousin. So don't go visit it. Okay? Just stay away. Just use it as your litmus test. Is my behavior godly or not? Is my behavior correct in the way God would want to handle things or not? Put it right there to Galatians chapter 5. Test it. Pretty simple. Right? Okay, go to Galatians 1. Galatians 1, 4. I know I'm kind of preaching a little long tonight, but my wife's saying too long. I'm right on track. She was long. <laughs> Galatians 1, 4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of, of our God and Father. Freedom didn't come cheap. Jesus paid his life on the cross for us so that we could be free and delivered from this present evil age. But that does not mean that you can't walk in this evil age. 
You're delivered from it. But that doesn't mean you can't walk in it. Hello? So why do we want to walk in it? Why do we want it to have any subject over us? Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Liberty that Christ has made us free. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I mean, is that not what he's saying? He's saying Jesus made you free, set you free. Then don't go down that path that's going to lead you into bondage. And if you're thinking, am I on the path leading to bondage? Well, just go look over there and look at the, the fruit of the, uh, the flesh and, and see if you're following the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of the flesh. Right? I mean, there's folks listen to me. The gospel, the gospel works. But are we going to work the gospel? Right? The gospel works. Jesus works. He's got a plan for us. He set us free from this age. But what are we going to do? Are we going to work and let the gospel, let the spirit of the Lord come into our lives and let him work through us? And are we going to learn? Are we going to grow? Are we going to go out there and say, no, no, this is what Jesus told us to do. And this is what's going to happen. Or are we going to fall and say, well, I know that's just on Sunday morning preaching. We're going to you know, do that. But rest of the week, we just you know, worry and fret and chew our fingernails off and freak out all the time. I mean, this is this life that we live for Jesus. It's either real or it's not. I, I, you know, I, I've been going through this real, it's not that big of a trauma, but it is a trauma for me. I'm about to have a birthday. I'm about to turn 60. And so that just, I, I just it's just like I, I'm thinking back. I, you know, I've got a 16-year-old grandson. Holy moly. Jay Paul was just talking about, I, I prayed for their, with them and their baby was 24 now. 24? I mean, like I'm thinking to myself, I'm freaking out. Where's life gone? How could it have been? I was young once. But it's just like all of a sudden you just wake up and you're like, shh, all this has changed. All this is going on. All this is taking place. But you know what? I am glad for every moment that I have stood fast in the liberty that Christ set me free. I'm glad I got saved. I am glad I've lived for Jesus. I'm glad I've walked through the things I've walked through to end up at the place I'm at. I am glad when I do stop and I look back and I was like, man, yeah, I can remember those days. I can remember doing that. Right? I can remember when this church wasn't even here. When I look back over the, the, the pictures at Guatemala and I realized there was nothing but a hill there when we started. Nothing but a hill. Nobody even a building. And I look back at that and I thought, man, we have made some ground. You know, I, 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 I feel good about that, that we have stood fast. And folks, listen to me, take standing fast. And these days that we're in are so bizarre and so crazy. And if you're not standing fast, you're going to get swept away. And we can't do that. We have to rise up. We have to be the Christian. No, no, I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to understand. I want to get closer to the top of the mountain so that the glory's hitting me and I'm glowing all the time. I got to keep going. I got to keep going no matter what and get on up to the top of the mountain. If I got to fall around some rocks or whatever I got to do, I'm going to get to the top, right? Now look at 5.13, Galatians 5.13. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Listen to me. You are called to liberty. We were called to live in freedom. We were called to be, let me tell you what you were called to be. You were called to be, you, you say, well, I don't know about this, Pastor. If that, that's, you, know. you were called to be wired and inspired. I'm talking about word breathing, spit 
blind, devil casting out, liberty setting free Christians. You were called to be like Paul and Silas in the bottom of the of the uh, prison with their, you know, up in the shackles, singing the praises of God until the whole building shakes and all the doors open up free and the guard comes running down and gets saved. All of his household. That's what you were called to do. That's what you were called to be. You weren't called to be somebody that, you know, is blinded, gets oppressed by the devil and can't find victory. That wasn't what you were called to be. You got to understand when you find out who it's written about you, you say, this is what I was called to be. We're all going to do it in our own style, but that's what you're called to do, right? But this is the problem, the next verse. Only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. The problem is, is when you get liberty, then there's that other side, the other flip side of that double-edged sword, and it's that, yes, you have liberty, and Jesus is. I want you to love me, but I'm not going to force you to love me. And so the person can say, well, you know, I want to venture over here for a while. And there's grace to do that. But it comes with the price. So the same freedom that was fought that this flag stands for, for America to be free, is the same freedom that allows people to be stupid. And that's the double-edged sword. And the only thing that can happen is for God to flip the light on. And everybody wake up and say, oh, wait a minute. This isn't leading down a good path. This isn't going to make victory. This isn't going to bring glory. So I'll leave you this last scripture. Look at verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. So then I say, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you get going down this path of the Spirit, where you're reading your Bible, you're ingesting the Word, you're letting the Word cleanse you, you're judging your motives and your, your thoughts and your, your, uh, your, your mannerisms and your habits by the Word, right? And then you're, 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 you're allowing the Spirit, you're having this time of, you know, with the Lord and you're growing. He says, you know what? Then you're not even going to be thinking about fulfilling the lust of the flesh. He says, for the, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that, that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. So, folks, this is why this walk of the spirit has got to be so important to us. This is why we've got to at this day and time. Listen, I've said it and I've said it and I've said it. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. Do not get entangled with everything going on. Don't get caught up with all the humorah so that it takes you off the road of the Spirit. What you want to be is connected into the Holy Spirit right now, connected into the flow of God, connected into the things of God, so that when these issues that are going to pop up in our midst come up, you just say, I, I rebuke you, get out of my way. Because, you know, I'm, I'm hoping. I don't know. It's just Robert Richards kind of hoping that we're going to get to call some fire down or something. You know, we're going to get to have a Mount Carmel experience and call some fire down over here or something. So I want to be ready. And the only way we're going to do that is to walk this walk. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're free, so let's stay free. Praise God. So put your Bibles up. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. Those at the house that are watching, you got to stand up too.
Go ahead, pull that lever over there on that easy chair. Pull that lever. Get on up. Those of you driving, you're excused. Keep both hands on the wheel. But I want to pray for you right now. Because I believe y'all are some awesome, amazing, godly people who have a heart to walk in the things of the Spirit. Amen? Am I preaching to the right crowd? And so I want to pray for you. Father, right now I just pray over each and every person. I just declare tonight, Lord God, that we're going to walk the walk of the Spirit. We're not going to get entangled with the affairs of this life. I pray right now over every person, any, every person out there listening, watching in here today, Lord, that is anywhere blinded, that right now by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you'd convict them, you'd let us know in our hearts that we're on the wrong path and get us turned onto the right one, Lord, right now. If we're caught up in those, those fleshly things of the, 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 the works of the flesh, then Lord, just let us be aware of it right now. Convict us, Holy Ghost. Because more than anything in this life, we want to serve you. More than anything in this life, we want to be the people who set captives free, who heal broken hearts, who bind up wounds, Lord God, who preach the gospel, who declare it's the acceptable year of the Lord. More than anything, Lord, we want to have a voice that goes around this world and touches the hearts of people, millions of people. And so, Lord, I pray for an army to rise up. I pray for an army to rise up who desire to walk in the Spirit. A, an army that will not be blinded, but will have clear focus that the light gets turned on. And Lord God, they will walk with you and they will serve you and they will flow with you in the spirit. And so Lord, I praise you for that. I praise you for blessing the people tonight. Lord, put your hand upon them and bless them. Bless their finances, bless their giving. Lord, I just praise you for it. I thank you for it. No matter where they are, what they put their hands to, it will prosper. Because, God, you're, their, you're fi their financier, and you bless them. And, Lord, we give you all the praise for it tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, God bless you, church.